morning and welcome to Timber Creek Church. I'm Talia Vanderlees. I'm the senior associate pastor here. And I am so excited to be able to teach this morning out of chapter 2 of the story, God Builds a Nation. Now what I love about the Bible are all of the stories. All of the stories about real people like you and me. What's important to know is they were not superheroes. They did not have superpowers. I know it, we kind of feel like surely God put something in these men and women of God that is different than what he put in us. But the truth of the matter is they were normal just like you and I, but they loved and served a great God. So when we look at the story in chapter 2, we are introduced to one of these incredible characters, one of these amazing characters of the Bible. He's famous for being the father of the faith, the friend of God. His name is Abraham. Now, the challenge here this morning is going to be for all of us to not check out because you think you cannot relate to such a grand, amazing story of miracles and mission. I mean, not everybody is called to be the father of a nation, let alone the father of many nations, right? Pretty grand story. But what we can do this morning is zoom out and take a look at this man of God's journey of faith. How did he succeed? How did he fail? I want all of us this morning to be super encouraged as we dissect this incredible story of faith and failure and be challenged to walk with God just like Abraham did. And as we do, I really believe that we're going to learn the secret of, of his success, the secret ingredient that helped him arrive successfully to the end of his journey. Abraham lived by faith. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. God, all of us are here from, uh, from having a, had a, maybe a difficult week, a, a really great week. But Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would open all of our hearts equally to hear what you have to say. God, would you give us ears that can hear your voice? Lord, would you give us eyes that can see you for who you are? And Lord, I pray that we would have courage to obey. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So these two simple words, by faith, we hear them so often. In fact, I was listening to President Trump talk about the, the tragedy in Florida, and he was encouraging people to turn to leaders of faith. This term faith, unfortunately, has been relegated to someone who just merely believes in something bigger than themselves. When the Bible teaches that faith is greater than mere belief. And I love that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to look at the definition of what God says faith really is. Because I don't know about you, but if God's telling me I need to learn to walk by faith, it's probably pretty important to understand what faith is and what faith is not. So we're going to look at it this morning starting in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is what? It's confidence in something that you're just hoping for. But it is also assurance of something that you do not see. Faith is this propelling force. This is important. Faith, your faith, faith 
in God is a key ingredient because it is a propelling force, which means it moves you forward out of where you are right now into what God has called for you to be a part of. God has a lot to say about faith. In fact, God says faith is very, very important. And I want you to look at this scripture in Hebrews 11.6. Check this one out. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do what? Without this confidence in something hoped for, without this assurance in something you have not seen, God says it's not possible to please him. Why? Glad you asked. Let's read further. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and I like this part, and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So it is by faith that we walk with God. It is by faith that Abraham walked with God. And it is by faith that all of the great and marvelous things that we're getting ready to learn about happen in the life of Abraham and all of his descendants in the story chapter 2, God builds a nation. Now, you know, Pastor Jeremy's not here this morning. He's over in India. And so I guess with the lead pastor not here, I don't get the high-tech equipment. I don't have a touchscreen TV. So I was given a whiteboard. But I'm going to use this, this ancient piece of technology. And you know what's so funny? I, you know what? I know Pastor Jeremy is in India, but I promise you he is watching right now because he can't go one week without watching, especially when he's not here. So here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, where's the camera? I want all of us to turn back to the camera right back here, and I want us to say, hi, Pastor Jeremy. I'm, hey, you don't let you, first service killed it. Don't you let first service beat you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Hi, Pastor Jeremy. I promise you there's a text waiting for me in my phone because he's watching. So while he's away, we will see what happens. No, I'm kidding. So what we're going to do first and foremost is I want us to take, a, remember, we're going to zoom out. We're going to look at Abraham's journey of faith. And boy, is it a journey. It isn't a perfect pretty picture like some of you might think. It is a crazy up and down, inside out journey. And what I love about that is that he is called what? He's famous for what? Being father of faith. And the friend of God, despite all the crazy you're about to see. Here's how it all started. First of all, we have this man named, at the time, Abram. Not Abraham, Abram. Same guy, different name. Abraham, Abram, has an encounter with God. That's God. Abraham's super happy. All right? I am not an artist. I am just a pastor. All right? But what happens here is we have an encounter. What is an encounter? You know, right now we just kicked off a ministry called Encounter. We had our first week last Sunday night. Let me just tell you, it was incredible. And it wasn't incredible because people were having all these encounters where they're on the floor screaming and crying. No, it's absolutely, absolutely nothing like that. Do you know an encounter with God can be a moment when you are reading your Bible and you understand something for the first time that changes you forever? An encounter with God looks all different ways. And what you have to be careful of is that you don't hold on to the way encounters looked in the past and miss out on all the encounters he has waiting for you in the future. Everyone. All of us need encounters 
with God. And Abraham has his first encounter in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Let's look at it this morning. It says, the Lord said to Abram at this encounter, go from your country, go from your people, and go from your father's household. Basically, leave everything that's comfortable and that you know. Right? Are we on the same page? Are you getting that? Where is he going? Um, to a land I'm going to show you eventually. God doesn't even show him where. And he says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So he has this encounter with God. And the Bible doesn't talk a whole, whole lot about what he felt during this encounter. But I can tell you something. By the evidence of what we see through Abraham's life, that what started here was more than just a covenant or a promise given. Because that's what the first crossroad is. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But what he gives him right here is a promise. It's a covenant. So in your notes, the first intersection we're getting ready to come to is a promise. God gives him not only a promise, though. I want you to listen. What starts right here are the seeds of a beautiful friendship. I just believe that the friendship made faith, the walk of faith, so much easier. Maybe you're having a hard time walking with faith because you're missing out on the friendship with God. Do you realize it was because of who he fell in love with that he wanted to follow? So it's really important that we understand this morning that we too need encounters. But in those encounters, God can speak to you about your life. God can speak to you about your future family. God can speak to you about your destiny if you just listen. But what happens is we get super excited Right? Over the encounter. He's like super excited. Because what? Everyone gets excited after an encounter. So when God says, hey, uh, Abraham, I want you to get rid of like everything and come follow me. Do you seriously think he questioned it for a moment? Here's what we want to label these intersections as. Now intersections or crossroads are points of decision. And during this whole journey, he's going to have to learn how to walk by what? Faith. But there is an enemy of faith. Guess what it is? Doubt. Very. Oh, you guys could come up here and preach this this morning. Doubt. Now, doubt will take you on a detour from faith every time. Doubt will cause you to get off track of this thing right here. Everyone look at this. You see this line right here? Here's what we're going to call this this morning. This is a process. This is the path of process. Probably the most important thing you're going to see this morning. Because what happens is Abraham's all super excited, right, over his, his encounter. And he leaps onto the, the path of faith, dancing and singing and excited because God showed up. God did all this really cool stuff. He says, I'm going to be the father of like many nations. And he's pumped. Wouldn't you be? But something happens. One year 
becomes two years, becomes four years, becomes five, six, seven, ten years, and all of a sudden, Abraham faces a new crossroad. It's important to note that when he enters this first crossroad of the promise, guess how old he is? He's 75 years of age. So I don't want to hear one person. I, I, could have, I could ask you to raise your hands if you're 75 or older. But not one of us in here have an excuse to not be on a journey of faith. Everyone at the sound of my voice, God has a journey of faith for you to walk with him on. And it's an incredible journey that he doesn't want you to miss out on. But at 75 years of age, God invites him to be a part of it. But guess what happens? 11 years go by without anything happening. Now, hold on. You can go read Genesis, and you can find out a bunch of junk that happens. I mean, he's got family drama. Old Lot's gone off to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's got to go rescue him from the burning city. I mean, gets into some conflict with some kings, meets some, has some cool things happen, like meets Melchizedek, the king where we get our very first teaching on tithing. Lots of, lots of stuff goes on, but listen, listen, listen. Not one thing happens that gives him any glimmer of hope that the promise is coming soon. So guess what happens here? He hits his second crossroad, number two, the problem. The problem. Let's look at it in your notes this morning. So God makes him a promise in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. And now he hits crossroad number two. It's the problem. Guess what the problem is, folks? Nothing's happening anymore. Hang on, listen, because some of you newer Christians in here, you are already standing right here. You may not have been waiting for 11 years, but boy, with this millennial generation, three weeks of boredom equals 11 years from back in the Old Testament days, I promise you. Three or four weeks have gone by without you feeling anything. And now all of a sudden you're faced with a problem too and that nothing is happening exciting and you are being tempted in the same way we're getting ready to see Abraham is tempted. Now here's the worst thing about it. He is at a low point. He like was crawling up this hill, barely made it. Like he's tired. He's tired of believing. He's tired of the doubt. He feels confused. He kind of feels a bit jaded from God. You ever been there? Like, this is not the way it looked, thought I'd look, it would look like. The jumping jacks turn into a crawl, and he barely makes it to this crossroad when his wife, Sarai, shows up with an idea. In the midst of his horrible season of doubt and discouragement, his wife has a, an idea. Let's look at it this morning in your notes. Because not only is nothing happening with his life, nothing is happening in her womb either. Sarah, they find out, is barren and cannot have children. Genesis 15, 2-4, it says, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Genesis 16, 1 says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she has an idea. Everyone say, uh-oh. Spouses, when, you're, when your spouse is in a, in a place of discouragement, don't go giving them crazy bad advice. Listen to what she says to him. Starting in verse 1 through 5 in chapter 16. 
But she, Sarai, had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Go have sex with her. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agrees to what she says. Any men see a problem with this in the room? Any women see any problem here? He slept with Hagar. And she conceived and had Ishmael. Now, the Bible's brutally honest about what happens in the household of Abram after this. I'm sure there were many moments when Hagar comes into the kitchen to serve. She's still serving them, living among them, pregnant with her husband's child, doing something she could not do for her husband. Any women see a problem with this? I can see Hagar walking in about eight months pregnant. This is about how I walked when I was eight months pregnant. Walking into the kitchen with the oatmeal, serving Sarah, and Sarah looks over as her belly bumps the milk over and is reminded of the fact that she can have no children. And jealousy begins to stir, and it only gets worse when Ishmael is born. And for about 13 years, Ishmael grows up around Abram and Sarah. And the Bible says that Sarai was really horrible to Hagar. So what happens here, guys, the problem of barrenness, the problem of doubt, takes Abram and Sarah off of the path of process that leads to the promise and they get on a detour of doubt. This detour of doubt, you guys, is where Hagar is pregnant with Ishmael. They have Ishmael, and things are really bad at home when all of a sudden God shows up again to Abram because he's just that kind of good God. That even in what I call the desert of doubt, God shows up to Abraham once again. Let's look at your notes where he's going to run into his third intersection. It says in Genesis 17, 15 to 22, God also said to Abraham, Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, here it is, folks. This is like the puzzle piece that's been missing that if he just would have held out for a little while longer, he would have known. But Abraham got sick of waiting and takes a detour, and God says, Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, the princess of nations. That's what it means. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by who? Her. I will bless her. So that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. The Lord says that he will bless her. God doesn't come to them angry. God doesn't come and say, what did you guys do? If you would have only stayed on track, I wouldn't have had to come down here again. And don't we feel like that when we're in the desert of doubt? Oh, I know like, none of you have been there. <laughs> when you get into that place where you know you've gotten off the path of process that leads to the promise, and you are in a desert, how do you know you're in a desert? You're dry, 
you're easily agitated. You don't hunger and thirst for the things of God anymore. When you get off of track with the Lord, you enter into a desert of doubt, which is a miserable place. Let me tell you this. As difficult as this path was, I promise you it was better than the desert of doubt. I promise you it was better. But they get to this third crossroad, and we're going to call it the pivot point. Because here's what's neat about what God does here. The pivot point. What does a pivot do? What does a pivot do? Helps you turn and go in the other direction, right? A pivot point. Abraham and Sarah meet with God. He gives them the opportunity to make a pivot point and get out of the desert of doubt and get back onto the path of the process that leads to the promise. Now, here's what's super cool about God. Only one year goes by where Abraham and Sarah have to wait. And it felt uphill because I'm sure they were afraid they were going to lose the baby. I'm sure they were afraid that maybe something was going to go wrong again. And they would be waiting maybe 10 more years for a baby. But one year passes by, and we know that Abraham is about 100 years old. When we get to the next crossroad, he's faced with this crossroad. He's afraid of what's going on. He's tempted to go on a detour again. But he hangs on to what God said, because God said Sarai is going to have the baby. And he's hanging on for dear life. And something wonderful happens as he continues. He finally makes it past the crossroad. This, this crossroad where he continues on the path of process of faith. Listen to what happens. The son of the promise is born. God provides as he said he would provide. There's the provision. And guess who's born? Isaac. Isaac is born. Now, here's what's super cool. What was the covenant? What was the promise? That he would be the father of nations? Why would this be cool that he only had one son? Well, guess what? Isaac has a son. Guess what his name is? Jacob. Guess what Jacob's name is later turned to after his encounters with God? Israel. Come on now. Israel. And guess how many sons Israel has? Don't count my stripes. They might not be right. He has 12. He has 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. That have families that have sons. That have families that have sons. And guess what we have at the end of Abraham's life? The beginning of the product of the promise. And that is the nations of Israel. The nations are born. Isn't that powerful? Now look at this. Look at this. This is the father of faith's journey of faith. And it is filled with ups and downs and detours. So what does this mean for us today? If like Abraham couldn't stay on the path of process, how are we supposed to? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look this morning and see how do we apply this journey of faith process to our own lives. Number one, and I believe this is so crucial. I could say a lot of things today, but I really believe in this first part. Number one, you need to ask for and enjoy 
consistent encounters with God. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? You want to know why you love worship so much here at Timber Creek Church? It's because God inhabits the praises of his people. And as we begin to worship and praise, you feel the presence of the Lord in here. So it's easy to be excited after an encounter. But that's why the church is not meant to be your only encounter of the week with God. God wants you to have encounters with him daily of different sorts. And as you encounter him, your roots of faith will grow so deep and so strong that no desert of doubt will dry them up. And that you will bear fruit even in dry, hard times going uphill. You will learn how to stay on the path of the process that leads to the promise. You've got to hear and receive God's promises for you when you have those encounters. I'm not saying to base your faith on emotion, but the best part of Christian faith is that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's not a God who's dead. He's not a fat chubby statue that you rub on his belly and make a wish. He's not a statue sitting on a very uncomfortable looking Indian style that we put up on our shelves. He's alive. Jesus Christ is alive, and no other faith can say that. And because he's alive, you have access to the throne of God to receive help in your time of need, and he's just wanting you to take the time to show up at an altar in your home to encounter his power so your faith will grow strong. Man, I feel this this morning. But number two, you got to get up from that encounter and do something you got to get up off of the altar of church and out of your rows of raising just your hands and go get dirty in the lives of people. you got to go do something with your faith. The Lord says in James that without works, faith is dead. That doesn't mean you're saved by your works, but saved people serve people. Number two, How does this apply to us today? This is the biggest point. I really felt the Lord said I had to say all of this one right. (laughs) So I need you to hang with me. Because I think this is where we get it wrong. Number two, we have to fully commit to the process of the promise. We have to fully commit to the process. What is the process, folks? What is the process? Let me tell you something right now. This is not the process. This is the good stuff. That's, that's, that's what we work towards. It's one day seeing Jesus face to face. It's bringing people with us into eternity. It's being close to him here and now. That's the good stuff. But let me tell you what the most important thing is, is this line right here. And this is the process. And let me tell you what about this process is so stinking important. The process is your preparation for the promise. And Abraham would not be capable of handling the responsibility and the weight of being the father of nations way 25 years earlier. And a lot of us despise the process. And maybe you've been saved for 40 years, but I promise you, you're still in the process. I want to encourage you this morning to not lose heart and take a detour 
off of the path of your process that leads to your promise. And this goes for the new Christians in here this morning, first of all. I wish that I could tell you that my journey of faith looks better than this, but actually it looks way worse. Because if I were to draw out my journey of faith, I'm a girl, I get long hair. If I were to write out my journey of faith, I'm telling you guys what, like I'm, I'm like all over the place. But I tell you what, when I met the Lord, I met the Lord. And he changed my life forever. And I thought it was always going to be this place of blissful, wonderful joy. But I would be lying to you if I said I stayed the course all the time and stayed on the process. I did well for a while. You know, when, when my father left our family, I was tempted to get off of the path of the process. But I stuck with it because I was taught to and I knew that there was truth in that. I even stayed on the path of the process when my, my baby nephew was born in a vegetative state, brain damaged, and is still that way today. It was very tempting to get off of the path of the process and go into a desert of doubt because I was angry with God. But even in that, stayed on the process, stayed on the path until something happened that I never would have believed happened. My father was killed in a car accident three weeks before my wedding. No words will ever describe to you the moment. In the middle of the night, I hear my mother screaming at the front door. I go to the top of the stairs and she's tying her robe and there's a cop at the door at three o'clock in the morning. It's my worst nightmare. It's like a movie. And I'm told that my father's been hit by a car and they don't believe he's gonna make it to hurry and get to the emergency room. And I remember this. I remember shaking physically, but actually for the first time in my life, I would say that I was shaking in my faith worse than I had ever shaken before. Because how could such a loving God who told me so many wonderful things were going to happen in my life would let so much tragedy happen? And I know it may seem like it's easy as a pastor to stand up here and preach a sermon about faith because I get paid to have faith. Well, let me tell you, no one was paying me when I was in my closet shaking and begging God to do a miracle in my father. No one saw me when I went through horrible depression where I didn't even want to believe in God anymore. I remember shoving my Bible across the table at my mom and said, I can't believe this anymore. You weren't there, but my good God was. And he met me in the desert of my doubt. And he gave me an intersection. He gave me a pivot point like he's trying to give you this morning. And I know life stinks, and I know bad things happen to good people, but I'm telling you what, the Lord's saying, don't you dare give up on your process. Don't you get lost in that desert of doubt, new convert. Don't you get lost in that desert of doubt, Christian, who's called to do ministry, and you're discouraged with where you are. You stay on the path, because it is preparing you to, to handle the promise. Number three, as children of Abraham, choose to walk by faith. Faith is not a feeling. Did you hear me? I know you've heard it so much, but I promise you, every new Christian in here, faith is not a feeling, it's a choice. What's so powerful about Abraham's life is that he passes down a legacy of faith now. Listen, that is not only passed down to Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel, 
Listen, listen. Look at Romans chapter 4 on your screen. Romans chapter 4 was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of new Christians who were non-Jews. They're Gentile Roman citizens and some Jews mixed in there who just became Christians. And guess who's he, guess who he's telling them about? Guess who he's basing his sermon on for the new Christians and the believers in Jesus and his resurrection? You got it. Abraham. Listen to what he says here in Romans 4, 16 to 21. Therefore, the promise, what promise? The promises that God gives us comes through what? By faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to how many of them? All, all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also, listen, who is this promise for? To those who have the faith of Abraham. It says he is the father of us all. My favorite verse, look at this closely. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. When he had no reason to hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I love this scripture, and I, it's not on a slide, I'm sorry. But you're going to have to hang with me and listen closely. I felt like the Lord gave me this scripture on 1130 last night. 1 Peter 1.7. And Peter's talking to the Christians about trials or detours things that have happened in your life on your journey of faith that you wish had not happened, right? He refers to these with another word, and it's trials. And he says to God's people, and I say this to you this morning, the trials will show that your faith is genuine. Do what? The, the trials you are enduring and have endured will show that your faith is genuine. It is what? It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Did you hear that? Not giving up, staying on the path of the process, allowing God to work in you and not giving up on his promises. What does it give you one day? Are you hearing this? It's going to give you praise and glory and great honor one day when Jesus is revealed front of the whole world. I'm going to finish with this chapter. This I'm going to just 
challenge all of you as I read this. I'm going to read Hebrews 11 this morning. And what this chapter is famous for uh, is the faith. It's called the Hall of Faith. And I don't have time to read the whole thing. I would challenge you to do so this weekend. But it's a list of all of these amazing superheroes of faith in the Bible who see God do incredible things by faith. So as I read this this morning, I would love for everyone just to stand up where you are. Please stand where you are, but please stay where you are just quickly. And as I read these to you, be encouraged. Be encouraged that God sees such potential in you and that he has given you equal ability to walk with him by faith. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Noah when he was warned about things not yet seen called rain, hadn't even existed yet, in holy fear and reverence to God, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and his other son Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and he gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And by faith, Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. How did all of these great and wonderful things happen? By faith. And here's my prayer for you this morning, if you'll receive it. I pray that by faith, those of you in here who have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord will do so in a moment when Pastor Seth comes up. I pray even right now you are opening your heart by faith to believe and have hot confidence and something you're going to hope for and gain assurance to see someone you have not yet seen one day. I believe by faith, some of you who are stuck in your walk with, your faith is so frail right now, and your walk with God is super boring because you're discouraged. I believe by faith right now the Holy Spirit is stirring you up. Do you hear me? He is stirring you for more of Him. I believe by faith those of you who have been praying for your sons and daughters to be saved are going to be saved. I believe by faith those of you guys who are believing God for healing, I say this with not emotion but with great faith, I believe God's going to heal. I believe by faith that we are all going to go forth on our journey of faith and we're going to accomplish our God-given potential and our destiny. How are we going to do it? By faith. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, may every single person at the sound of my voice on Facebook Live, on a recording, sitting here this morning or over in India, 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would stir up our faith. God, may our faith be built on the foundation of a great friendship with you. God, would you lead us forth and encourage us on our journeys of faith. May we avoid and get off of detours this morning back onto the path of process that leads to your great promises. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Pastor Seth. Man, amen. What a powerful message this morning. Can we put our hands together for Pastor Talia? Wow. Man. Before you're dismissed, just one thing real fast. Maybe you're here today and you know that you need to to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to make that decision. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the thousandth time, right? Maybe your, your path is just all kinds of crazy and you know you need to get back on. Hey, this morning, make that decision. Man, don't just continue on in life the way it is. You need Jesus. Around here, we like to say we want to make Jesus the center of our life. And I challenge you with that. If you get a chance to put it on the Connect card and turn it in at the Next Steps booth, we would just want to help follow up with you and help you on that path, help you through the process, and help you find the promises God has for you. Amen? Hey, we're so glad you came out today. Can I pray over you before you go? Dear God, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the decisions that are being made to follow you in faith. Jesus. God, I pray that you would be with each and every man and woman, and God, that they would follow the dreams, the promises you have over their life. God, that they wouldn't live in fear, but God, they would follow you with everything they have. God, we're believing in you. We're putting our faith in you. And God, I'm praying to hear story after story of how you're going to show up, and you're going to change people's lives, and something's going to happen. God, we believe it. God, we thank you for it. God, thanks for an awesome day at Timber Creek Church. God bless them. Take care of them. We love you. We praise you. And Everybody said amen. Hey, we're so glad you came out today. We'll see you next time. Take care.